It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Tracy Johnson. Great to have you with us on this Friday morning when time is flying back because we're having so much fun. I am in for Steve Scafidi. Until noon today, we are joined in studio by Christian Schneider. He is a writer with the National Review, has been a longtime colonist with many, many, many other publications, and has been on this show. You've sat in this chair. I had Dan Adams was with us this morning, and he also sat in this chair. You you filled in for Scafidi a couple of times. I did. You said longtime columnist. I think that's just a way of calling me old. <laughs> we're the same age come on all right but Give or take. so so when was the last time you were in this studio? have you been in this new studio i have i i hosted wtmj nights at some point okay uh oh. in like last february i guess well you said it was interesting listening to the people you were just outside this little fishbowl here and, and people kind of looking in my back is to the kind of the the window and the wall you are facing out trying to draw a visual picture for the listeners here yes uh, but you said that there's a lot of chatter who is that what's going on what's going on in there some people who don't know um what's happening in the fishbowl here and they were speculating right so i've been waiting out there for about 15 minutes to come on the show and people walk by and they like just peer in uh as if you are a fish in a fishbowl and they're guessing who that is they're like i think that's linda like <laughs> who first of all who's linda and no it is not so well, yesterday i got called a karen <laughs> You'll like that, right? Well, I mean, that's 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 going a little bit too far, and that is also disrespectful to like the Karens. I feel bad for 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 that whole thing. That I, that might be. A I know and love topic. a lot of a lot of Karens. So, so do I. But if somebody was like, "Hey, Karen," and and I was like, "Hey," I mean, either that's you're calling me a name, or you really think my name is Karen. Anyway, um, a lot of people also thinking it's Sandy Max. Sandy Max, as we heard yesterday, has a brand new show called What's on Tap, and that is on six to seven. Most nights, and I tuned in a little bit yesterday uh, to listen to the first show of What's on Tap. It was very good, very informational, talking about all the great things happening here in our state and abroad. She's a world traveler, very interested in the Beatles. So anyway, the last (laughs) segment, we were talking through the Supreme Court uh, case, the, the case that the Supreme Court is now hearing about if publicly elected officials can block constituents on social media and you actually wrote a column about this very issue what what do you think about that yeah i wrote about this years ago um because there have been examples in wisconsin of uh politicians i think robin voss was one of them that had blocked some people and it's understandable for elected officials that you know they just want to have a good time on twitter or x Mm -hmm. or whatever it is now and people are yelling at them and saying all sorts of obscene things so why wouldn't you be able to, to block them I just think that once you start doing official business on your Twitter feed, then it essentially becomes kind of a public forum. And when you start blocking people and saying that they can't uh, take part in that public forum, then you are, you know, you're you're kind of taking away their right to engage in debate. Right. So I I think it's it's fine for politicians to have a separate Mm -hmm. personal uh, Twitter feed where they can talk about their dogs, they can talk about, you know, the paella they ate last night or whatever they sure. whatever they're doing. But once you take the step into, you know, talking about water service in your area, we're going to turn it back on or, you know, uh, start doing actual government functions, then I think you probably cannot block people. I would just say to public officials, 
you should have separate accounts mm-hmm. for both things, just to make it clear. And I do think uh, the Supreme Court just heard uh, just heard arguments on this. And I think they're probably going to say that politicians can block people mm-hmm. just because, I mean, who's going to who's going to police all of this online? It's just impossible. But I just think I think politicians should make that distinction just, you know, for the purpose of clarity. So is that what does that say about freedom of speech? Is that actually taking away our freedom of speech or, you know, is it, is it all about whose freedom of speech are we actually protecting? And maybe that's the kind of the, the question. Well, yeah, but th- that's why I'm saying once it once it becomes a public forum, then mm-hmm. you have to protect the freedom of speech of the people that want to contact their their legislator just in the same way that, you know, you, you can't block people from calling your your legislative office or, mm-hmm. or any of those things. So um, I, I I think th- I think the Supreme Court is probably going to say you, you can't police this in any way. But, um, you know, I. Politicians should make that separation, I think. Got it. So, well, and you have a very prolific Twitter feed, right? Uh, Schneider (laughs) underscore CM. So for those who want to engage with you, yeah, I am just shocked that we have to police this, right? I mean, why can't people just be nice, uh, nice to one another? So speaking of articles that you wrote, you dropped this yesterday. Yeah. And it is about one of my favorite politicians. (laughs) Your boy. My boy is what you say. So Ron DeSantis, (laughs) the, the headline is the media give DeSantis the boot. And I love the subhead. Beware, campaign coverage is about to get a lot dumber. <laughs> did you write that? I did. <laughs> All right. So tell us about this topic. I think many people have been following it because it is all over social media. What's going on here? Okay, so there's clearly a lot of important things going on in the world. You have a war in Gaza. You have uh, Congress is, is a mess. But the media seems to have found an issue that they think deserves uh, top of the top of the fold coverage and that is Ron DeSantis's boots because uh, he was asked earlier in the week whether he puts lifts in his boots to make himself look taller and he said no he says he's 5'11 you could actually do some some investigative journalism on this because you have stood next to Ron DeSantis I did did he appear to be 5'11 he did he did I'm 5'10 yeah I'm 5'9 and a half 5'10 with heels yeah he was taller than I was oh with heels yeah because we've established I'm taller than you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I mean, it was weird to, to hear there's all this discussion. First of all, this discussion about him being sh- short and why that matters. I just think it's okay. So fascinating because this is literally like in the news right now. And you as a National Review writer are kind of commenting on how silly this is. Right. It's silly for one, because it's not as if candidates haven't spent hun- 100 years trying to make themselves look better. Because, I mean, there are studies that show that the taller you are, the better looking you are, the more electable you are. So uh, Ron DeSantis just wants to look taller. I think half the U.S. presidents have been over six feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and just since 1960, I think only Richard Nixon and uh, Jimmy Carter have been under six feet. So we like tall presidents, which is probably why he might want to enhance his height a little bit. But, I mean, what's the big deal? People... People do this all the time. You remember Jeb Bush lost a ton of weight to run for for president so he could look better. That's why 
Trump kept yelling at him that you're low energy on stage because he looked like he needed to eat a bagel because he wasn't eating any carbs. I remember that. Um, Mike Huckabee lost 100 pounds before he ran for president. I mean, and a lot of this, I think, has to do, first of all, because DeSantis is a man and it just makes him look inauthentic. Like the number one thing that you can do as a candidate is to be authentic. So if you're lying about your height, then... Uh, you know, this is this is a, a taunt Trump has, has been thrown his way. Well, why wouldn't he just on the on the air? Why didn't he just say, OK, I will show you. I mean, do yeah. you think he's lying? I, I, this is because I I actually don't care. I am so annoyed by this whole thing. And even if I didn't like Ron DeSantis, I would be complete. I'm, I'm completely annoyed by this. Yeah. So so why does this matter? Is it about the authenticity? And is he lying? Are we trying to get him to? say something that he doesn't want to say yeah i think it, it's the inauthenticity uh and that's probably why he didn't kick off his shoes right then right then and there on the show and and show it i mean a lot of it's probably because he's a republican and you know here's here's a chance so you have a lot of the media running with this mm-hmm. who hate trump and hate kind of the childish taunts that trump does but when it's against DeSantis, immediately they carry water for that type of stuff yeah so I think it's going to backfire. I think, think it's going to backfire on on his critics. And I think that people will <laughs> line up and say, leave this guy alone, especially people who are under 5'11". I mean, come, come on. What do you have against people who are 5'11"? All right. When we come back, uh, you also have a piece on, on Nikki Haley. And I'm interested in your thoughts about how this uh, field winnows down, how this consolidates. We have another debate coming up next week. We are in studio with Christian Schneider. Writer for the National Review. Welcome back on WTMJ. I'm Tracy Johnson, joined in studio by Christian Schneider with National Review. And we're, we're not really doing the political power hour. I'm not going to take that away. We, we are talking a little bit of politics here, but we're keeping it light, keeping it fun, keeping it relatable. Uh, so the the... Republican field is the one that I think everybody's watching, right? Because you've got these huge figures who are running to be the Republican nominee. And Donald Trump is is just by far in a way showing the majority of, of the support. But you've got Ron DeSantis now at 16 percent. At least this is in the Iowa GOP, and they're the first one to caucus on this. But he's down 3% uh, since the last time this was recorded. Nikki Haley, though, her star seems to be rising. She's up 10 points. And I know that you've written about Nikki Haley. But, you know, think about the fact that Mike Pence just got out of the race. You've got a couple of others who are probably not going to make it to the next debate, which is next week. You've got Bergman. You've got Hutchinson. You've got uh, Chris Christie who doesn't show signs of surgence, we need to consolidate. Republicans need to consolidate. What does that look like? Right. So you're right in that Haley is surging in both Iowa and New Hampshire. And um, Ron DeSantis has fallen 20, 30 points. The problem is, is that even with Haley surge, as you said, she's still 30 points behind Donald Trump in New Hampshire and Iowa, and even her home state of South Carolina, which I'm sure she's probably hoping uh, to win. The The problem for the GOP is that all these other candidates, you know, the other eight or nine people that are on the stage that you see, are taking votes away from someone who would eventually be the challenger to Trump. 
if it was one-on-one Trump versus somebody else, then maybe somebody has a chance. I'm still not uh, optimistic that's the case, but um, so people have to start getting out. Uh, George Will wrote a column where he said Tim Scott should get out mm-hmm. and back Haley. Uh, Doug Burgum, Chris Christie, as you said, Asa Hutchinson, these people, they, there's no purpose for them to be in this race anymore. They have to consolidate the vote. So I would say within a few weeks, we should have maybe Haley and DeSantis as the only two uh, still there to challenge Trump. Other than that, it's 2016 all over again. They're just going to split the vote. Trump's going to waltz on through and, and get the nomination. So who is the next to, to come out? You, we talked about this earlier. And I mean, why? I would think it'd have to be Burgum or Hutchinson or Christie. But do those, those they really matter? They're only carrying 1% of the, of the vote or 1% of the support. Right, but when, when they're on a debate stage, they're also taking up yeah. valuable time that somebody else could be talking and making points. And Haley has actually been very good in the debates, and I think that's probably why she's surging. The way this works is that when you have a candidate, they start promising things to other people to get out of the race. I'm reading Mitt Romney's book right now, and you know, like Rick Santorum went to Mitt, Mitt Romney and said, you know, make me ambassador of this or whatever, and I'll get out of the race uh, so you can consolidate your vote. And so she might have to start swinging some deals here. Uh, to start clearing this field. Definitely the the rising star right now on the not Trump side <laughs> of the ledger. All right, when we come back, uh, the RNC is here in Milwaukee, and depending on who's at the top of the ticket, could really m- make the case and, and, and show us really what Milwaukee will look like right here in July of 2024. More when we come back with Christian Schneider. I'm Tracy Johnson in for Steve Scafidi. 1128 on WTMJ. We're in studio with Christian Schneider, who does a lot of writing for National Review, mostly around political topics. You, you tend to look at things from the lighter side, um, but obviously you do a lot of great research. Uh, just had a great piece on Nikki Haley, another piece on, on Ron DeSantis and his... Can we call this Liftgate? Sure. Do you like that? Sure. Liftgate? I don't know why. In my mind, that's just what it was about, the potential lifts in his boots. So we'll get to the bottom of that. But... Next summer, in just nine short months, Milwaukee and Wisconsin will be in the national, international spotlight because we will be host to the Republican National Convention, at which time Milwaukee and the RNC will put forth the candidate for president for the Republicans. And we've got a cast of characters right now that we're deciding between, but by far and away, Donald Trump seems to be the the person that will be anointed here in Milwaukee. Do you think that he will have a, a, a an impact that would be different than, let's say, a Nikki Haley in terms of the visibility, in terms of the support, in terms of how people look at and feel about this convention? Yeah, I think the convention would look a lot different if Nikki Haley were the nominee than than if Donald Trump were the nominee. I was in what way though? I mean, a lot of a lot of his supporters uh, would be here, and they're you know they're not a shy bunch. Um, I I go to these conventions pretty much every year. Uh, I was at the one in uh, in 2016 in Cleveland, and it was a pretty rowdy event because Trump. You know, there, there's actually still. A chance, you know, Ted Cruz and other these other people were trying to boot Trump from the ticket even then, uh, and it was a pretty rowdy event. So I would ex- I would expect that to be the case here. They, it's in Wisconsin for a reason because I mean, you look at the Wow counties, 
And Donald Trump would have won in 2020 had the Wow counties just turned out for Republicans as they normally do. So he needs Wisconsin badly, and he needs he needs uh, you know the suburban counties to come out for him. And so that, I think it's um, that's the reason why why it's here. And I think it would be a lot different. The tone would be a lot different if, like, say, Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis were were the nominee. But then again, you know, his supporters might say, well. You know, it was all stolen from him, and they'll show up, and there'll be a lot of protests and uh, need to be a lot of security and things like that. So who knows what's going to happen? I mean, who can predict any of this? Well, I will say if um, past events are any predictor of the future, I was at the debate over at Pfizer Forum, which is going to be the the, the site of the convention Mm -hmm. when that person is put forth as our as the nominee for the Republican Party. And Donald Trump, as we know, was not present at that debate. He wasn't at the first debate, second debate. And I don't think he's coming to the third debate. He just he doesn't do debates. Right. But there were a lot of supporters out there and they were very well behaved. Um, you know, they it was, it was kind of funny because Donald Jr. was there. Uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle was there. I mean, it was it was definitely interesting. But the thing I know about Donald Trump supporters is that they are Donald Trump supporters and that is who they support. So so a Nikki Haley or a Ron DeSantis or even a Tim Scott at the convention would would probably look a, a little bit different, or probably a little more traditional from the standpoint of, of of an RNC. Were you at the Romney when Romney? Was uh, yes, I was at uh, that was in Tampa in 2012. Uh, and you remember Paul Ryan was actually mm-hmm. the, the vice president at that point. So I was. I was uh, on the floor right in front of the stage for for Paul Ryan, which is which is pretty fun. So do you have any insight or any thoughts on like support in terms of monetary support or sponsor support that would come out if it were uh, Donald Trump versus a Nikki Haley? I mean, do you think that companies by and large are saying we want to distance ourselves or we want to lean into that? Do you think it matters or do you think on the whole the Republican Party seems to be kind of at odds with itself. Yeah, there might be some belly aching from people that says that say, you know, if Trump gets the nomination, then we're not going to donate. We're, you know, we're going to pull money here and there. But companies and, you know, donors like to be where the power is. So they'll eventually all fall in line with Donald Trump as they have, you know, for the last seven years or whatever. Um, so I, I wouldn't worry about that. And then, you know, with the convention, you bring so many people in, and Trump, I think, brings a different kind of person in. Um, he his supporters, in in a way that I've never seen in politics, kind of make being pro Trump their lifestyle. So I think I think he would draw a lot of people from all sorts of places that wouldn't normally come. And so I think for the city, you would see a, a pretty substantial uh, economic. Uh, you know, boost impact, right? Because yeah. we always say it's it's not about the red or the blue or the Trump or the Haley or the DeSantis. It's about the it's about the green. It's about the right. money and the economic impact. <laughs> At least that's the line uh, that the RNC is taking. Christian uh, Schneider from National Review. When we come back, we're going to hit on a lighter topic that I know you know very well, and that is c- cocktails. Ah, right. Yes. I didn't prepare you for this one, no. but. There is finally an issue that legislators can agree on, and that is the Wisconsin State Cocktail. If you haven't heard, we will discuss when we come back. It's only half past twelve, but I don't care. 
It's five o'clock somewhere. It's never too early to talk about cocktails. Never. Never too early. 11.36 <laughs> on a Friday morning. But it's a Friday, right? But it's five o'clock somewhere. Um, so the state of Wisconsin has made it official, or they are about to make it official. They are going to name the official state cocktail. Mm. Do you have any idea what it is? We, we talk, You did not know this. I did not know this. I'm, I want you to guess. As far as cocktails? It's a cocktail. It has to be the brandy old-fashioned. You are. Ding, ding, ding. Hello. That is right. I, I believe Wisconsin consumes more brandy than the rest of the United States combined. That is true. I wow. think I've seen that. I've seen that. I know my spirits. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a bourbon <laughs> or a brandy expert uh, in the studio, uh, Christian Schneider. Yes, that is that is right. So uh, Wisconsin officials, legislators are putting this forward. It is a ceremonious um, recognition, but nonetheless, it's saying it's given us it didn't it, Governor Evers call it like oh, brandy old fashioned month, the month of September. Sure. It gives us an excuse to have uh, uh, a month of 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 drinking because we need one more month of celebrating drinking, right? But a real old fashioned is really hard to make, though. I mean, there's muddling involved and sugar cubes and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's a very complicated, a very complicated drink. And so, is that just saying that Wisconsinites are complicated and we are willing to take on complex issues, yes. and therefore we have very refined respect, very refined drinking tastes? Okay, in Wisconsin. Well, I know when we travel, and I travel with, you know, we'll go to Florida or Las Vegas or other, you know, other states, and I'll be with people who order a brandy old fashioned, and I almost think that they do it to stump the bartender. They do they do it to stump the bartender. Like, no, you you instead of whiskey, you use brandy but i think there's also some other things that are a little bit different about the brandy old-fashioned but either way it is a truly wisconsin drink and it is now going to be the official cocktail i know there's some criticism though that you know why are we celebrating the fact that you know, drinking and all of that i mean ah. i know but it, honestly it's it's part of our lifestyle the economy the economic impact all of that um and most importantly, this is something that Democrats and Republicans at the state can agree on. As they did, say, as they say, Wisconsin doesn't have a drinking problem. It has a drinking solution. It has a drink. <laughs> OK, there you heard it here. All right, Christian, you not only write for the National Review, but you do a, a lot of other projects, uh, podcast that yes. you recently launched. Tell us a little bit about that. All right. So I've talked about it with Steve before. It's oh. uh called Wasn't That Special, 50 Years of SNL. And it's particularly interesting because there's so much talk about SNL kind of on social media this week because it was actually a pretty great SNL. And people were like, the show hasn't been that great since like since the beginning of the show. So that's kind of what we're doing on the podcast, which is to start watching every episode of SNL from season one oh God. all the way through season 50, which is coming up next year. So I've watched about 200 episodes of SNL in the last couple of months. And so every episode we go and we review a, a, a singular season of SNL. We say what the best sketches were, what the most forgotten sketches were, because there are a lot of ones that people forget. And then kind of we give awards to the best cast member and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's actually it's a lot of fun. Uh, you can go go check it out. It wasn't that special dot com. Uh, wasn't that special.com or we're on uh, Twitter or X or whatever it is at 50 years of SNL. 
Wow. Well, okay. So since it's a Friday show and we want to keep it light, <laughs> I, I, we were just talking about a, a, a sketch that I had seen on my social media and mm-hmm. it was from this week and I thought it was hilarious. Who was the guest? Because I, I didn't recognize the guy. He was dressed like as a, a revolutionary soldier or something like that. Yeah. So the host this week was Nate Bargatze, uh, who is a, he's a stand-up comic. He's actually, he's got a couple of Netflix specials. He's really kind of a, a dry, droll comic. He actually works clean, so he's good, good family comic. And uh, he's from he's from Nashville, so he's got a, got a lot of kind of southern humor. And uh, it was great. It was a, I would we grade every sketch of every episode on the podcast, and on this one, I would have given like a four out of five to pretty much every sketch. So wow, uh, the show's actually doing really well. Okay, so all we needed to do is have this writer strike, and that got out all the kinks because that that's been it's had some rough years i think there are a lot of seasons where you come they come back from the summer break and the show number one of the season is actually terrible and you you say to yourself i don't know what they were doing during the break but it wasn't writing yeah <laughs> they, they were relaxing uh so usually the, the the show kind of ramps up and halfway through then they kind of get in their groove and and things get better okay so you you've been through 200 episodes which yeah. is probably like season eight ten we're 11? up to season 10 now okay and yeah. what's your fate? What's what's one that we have forgotten? Oh boy, um, there are a lot of Eddie Murphy sketches that I had forgotten about. There, there's a bit that Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo used to do uh, called uh, Pudge and Solomon, which are basically two old men in a bar sitting around a, a piano, and they just kind of go back and forth and uh, you know make jokes and. They're not only really funny, they're really touching. And, you know, some of them actually have, you know, kind of storylines to them. And so check out Pudge and Solomon. There are a bunch of them on, on, uh, YouTube. But, uh, yeah, I, I had completely forgotten that they existed. And they're some of the best stuff in the first 10 years. No, that's so, that's so smart. And to watch some of the writing, uh, I, I look back and I'm like, wow, that was really, that was really smart and just so influential. Christian Schneider, thank you so much for being with us today. Have yeah. a, a safe drive back to Madison. Thank you for being in the studio today with us. I know that you, uh, often will call in on Steve's show, so I appreciate you <laughs> taking the time. So good luck and, uh, have a great day. Thanks. All right.